You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thanks, guys. That's, uh, in my opinion, a beautiful song written by Martin Smith, sung by Jesus Culture with him there. It's called Waiting Here For You. We sing it sometimes in our worship. And I believe the Lord has spoken to me to, for tonight, for t- sorry, this morning and Tuesday night, to speak something about the whole waiting concept on God. want to welcome Cafe Church. Good to have you joining in downstairs, guys. And uh, God bless you. Hope the Lord continues to move with you down there. So I'm going to talk this morning about waiting for the Lord. But I'm going to look at uh, one guy who was waiting. And the thing is, like my past, perhaps like your past, he didn't realize he was really waiting on Jesus. It was all confused to him. So we're going to look at that this morning. It's from John chapter 5. And I'm going to open in prayer and ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would speak through your word. Let the verses of your word, the Bible, come alive in our minds and in our hearts. We pray you would demolish arguments that the enemy would send against us, that would keep us from going your will and your way in our lives. And made this portion of scripture, scripture feed our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I think it was February 2014. We were just after taking over this building. So we're in this building two years. But we had about nine months when we demolished it. Upstairs, this floor, downstairs. And just when we started all the building work on it, I had to go and speak to some of the neighbors here to uh, let them know that there was going to be a lot of building work. But I remember the day I went to see uh, our neighbors next door, Starwood. It's a big call center. And I remember when I went in there, it was just before Valentine's Day in 2014. And we had one of the strongest winds. It was like a hurricane here uh, on the south coast of Ireland. Maybe it was in the rest of Ireland, I'm not sure. But the wind was so strong. As I was sitting in this, the manager's office next door, we looked out the back window, and there's an old, tall, red brick chimney that would have been built, I don't know, 150, 200 years ago. It was an old, industrial, tall chimney, and you could see the chimney swaying. Such was the strength of the wind. We had tiles blown off our roof at home, but this big tall chimney was swaying in the wind. And as I was praying and getting ready for the scripture verses this morning, uh, and praying about what I should share, I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me about the wind of the Spirit. Because in the Bible, we read that the Holy Spirit, if you look at the old Hebrew word, it's the Hebrew word ruach, which means wind and force. And that big old chimney wasn't demolished, but it could easily have been if the wind was that little bit stronger, and it was quite strong. 
And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, we have big old structures in our minds. And you and I have big old structures in our hearts. And the wind of the Spirit wants to demolish some of those old structures. Because you know what they are? They're old arguments that we've bought with us from the past. And they're still speaking to us today. So as we look at the story of John 5, keep that picture in your mind. Because I believe that's what we saw in this man as well. An old way of thinking demolished by the word of Jesus into his life. So let's see John 5. In Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethesda. It had five porches. And this was where a great number of disabled people used to lie, waiting to be healed. Sometimes the waters there would be supernaturally stirred, and those in the water would be healed. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been lying there for 38 years. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked him. Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred. Someone always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was healed and he started walking. Afterwards, the Jewish leaders came and asked him, who had healed him on the Sabbath? I've no idea, he replied. Later that day, Jesus came back to him when he was alone, saying, No, you're well again, but keep from a sinning life so that nothing worse will happen to you. May God bless his word to our souls. Amen. Let's see what's happening here. It begins very simply. Jesus passed by and he saw the man with a need in his life. This is a theme right throughout the New Testament. Again and again and again, we read of Jesus walking by and seeing someone. When I preached last time, we were looking at the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus passed by and felt her reaching out to touch him desperate for a healing. Here Jesus is walking by and he sees the man. Jesus is alive and he sees you. He sees me. He is still in the business of passing by people's lives and beginning conversations. We heard it before he knocks on the door of our hearts seeing if we will take the initiative and respond and open We on? Good. So Jesus passes by and he still does the same today. And he sees the need and he initiates a conversation. We love God because he? 
first loved us. So Jesus immediately, if you will, shows an interest, shows love in this man's situation. And as he does that, a conversation starts. So that's exactly what we see here. He passed by and he saw the man in verse 6. And he asks the man a question. And I love the questions that Jesus Christ asks because sometimes they kind of don't make sense to us. Why would he ask a question? We read this an awful lot in the scripture. And he asks the man, do you want to get well? Hello? Uh-huh. What do you see there? He was in a place known as Bethesda, sometimes called Solomon's Portico. And the scripture tells us there were five colonnades or five porches there and many skeptics throughout the generation who poo poo the bible say the bible can't be trusted but not that long ago when they did a big archaeological dig in Jerusalem they uncovered what we now know as Bethesda or Solomon's portico guess how many porches they discovered the bible is true the Bible is accurate. But getting back to our account, Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to get well? Why did he need to ask him that? Well, back then in that culture, a lot of disabled people made a very comfortable living from begging. People would go to the temple and as part of their religious duty, they would give money to the poor. So maybe Jesus wanted to question him and see, is he willing to give up an income or perhaps the man was just so comfortable in his circumstances sometimes people with an illness I'm not speaking of anyone here but generally sometimes people with an illness it almost becomes their identity and it's almost like to lose that is to lose their identity it's like it's like their issue is who they are and that's a lie. Because you've got an identity that has nothing to do with any illness. Anyone say amen? amen? So Jesus questions the man and he asks him. What I find fascinating is the answer the man gave to him. He didn't answer him the way you think he'd answer him. You see, if Jesus said to me and I was sick and he said, Tom, do you want to get well? I would imagine I would say, yes, Lord, with all my heart. But this man answers Jesus with a problem. He doesn't say, yes, please. He just straight away talks about his problem. He was so centered on the problem, he didn't even answer Jesus. Sir, I have no one to help me to go into the pool. Now, apparently what would happen is occasionally it was believed an angel would come and stir the water. And if you got into the water, that supernatural anointing that was happening there would cause people to be healed of physical illnesses. And it worked. That's why so many people went there. But the man answers Jesus' question with the problem. So... He's problem-centered. He's not really Christ-centered at all. He's problem-centered. And this is all he can see. Now, what I find interesting is some people reading this portion of Scripture will say, this poor guy had no one in his life. 
Here we have Billy No Friends. That's not true. Because somebody bought him there every morning. And they brought him home or collected him in the evening. So he had family. He had friends who bought him there and took him away from there. But for this one issue in his life, that was going on and on and on and on. He had no one to stand with him with that one issue. Maybe 38 years ago he had people standing with him. Maybe for the first few years people were willing to be with him. But they couldn't commit the time or they just lost interest. I don't know. But I bet you this morning, many people here have family and friends in their lives. But there's an issue and you're on your own with it. Or it feels like you're on your own with it. So he answers Jesus by going straight into the problem. I have no one to help me to the pool. And then, and I call this the pregnant problem situation, when a problem occurs in your life, it tends to give birth to more problems. And then more problems. And you get this pregnant problem thing. Because his problem was he had no one to help him. And then the daughter of that problem was the next issue. Someone always gets into the water ahead of me. I'm at the back of the queue. The blessing is with the other guy. She's the one who gets the blessing, and I'm the one who's always looking on. Why doesn't it ever happen to me? It's a bit like someone saying, I have an issue with alcohol, I'm addicted to it. That's the problem. But then the daughter problems come, and therefore as a result of that, my marriage, my relationships are really strained, or they've broken down. And then as a result of that, my health isn't good. And then as a result of that, I don't have any money. And on and on and on it goes. That's why the sayings in the world are, when it rains it, pours. And so this poor man, who had spent 38 years in need, and definitely had people who were around him. He would have had family or friends, but with this issue, this thing in his life, he felt on his own. And others were getting ahead of him. He was coming daily on the possibility of being healed. I mean, I'm trying to get into his head as I was preparing this. It's like every day he's saying to whoever was in his family, bring me to Bethesda, bring me to the pool, because if it's stirred, I might be healed. But then he knew he had no one to help him the last few feet. So it's like, I know I can be healed, but then there's this problem, so how can I be healed? And yet, he comes there every day. Is it because he had nothing else to do? Or, or is there in the mix of the problems and the fog of the issue that somehow there's a little bit of faith going on in his heart? It's a bit like some of us come into a church like this and we are praying for God to do something. And we come and it's like part of us has faith and we come and then there's another part of us says, I just can't see how this can ever be sorted out. That bald fella on the stage, I don't know, does he have any faith there? And as for the other guy, he just talks too much, he sings too much, whatever. I don't know. And do you know the people around, they say they love the Lord, but I don't know, they don't smile at me. Whatever's going on in your head, 
So he's got a mixture of motives going on. Dare I suggest, like most of us. So you wouldn't be up early on a Sunday morning and coming to a church like this unless there's something spiritually going on in your soul. So there's some bit of belief going on in everyone here, whether you're new here or whether you're regular here. And yet at the same time, there's probably a couple of doubts as well, like that old chimney. It's a big old ugly red brick chimney. I'd love to see it collapse. But you just need that extra whoosh of the wind of the Holy Spirit for the arguments in our heads that are like strongholds to collapse. And this man is totally surrounded by his problem and the pregnant problem. I like what the great reformer from the years of the Reformation, John Calvin, says. He says, this sick man does what we all tend to do. He limits God to his own circumstances. I'd been preparing this over the last 10 days, and I was interested at our conference here last Wednesday night. Pastor Glenn Barrett from Manchester was preaching about, your God is too small. And that's exactly what was going on here. So the man is sick, and he can't see that God can move because his circumstances are everything. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And all he does is he puts up the problems and he puts up the barriers. And Lord, this can't happen. And then that can't happen. And then that can't happen. And John Calvin is right. He limits God to his own circumstances. Do you want to get well? And then I love it because Jesus' word just cuts like a hot knife through butter. And the word of Jesus just goes straight through this situation. And Jesus doesn't say, come on, I'll be the one to help you. Lean on my hand and I'll bring you into the water. Or I'll wait with you. He bypasses the normal way of healing. And Jesus speaks a word of life. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was healed. At once he started walking. Hallelujah. Pick up your mat and walk. Ah, Jesus, you're supposed to. The tradition here is that the water is going to be stirred, Lord. Jesus, you're supposed to wait because you've got to wait and you've got to wait and then maybe the water will be stirred and then maybe you'll get down into the water and that's how we heal. And Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. He cut through all of that stuff. It's not that that wasn't good. It's not that people weren't healed that way. But Jesus is far above any box you and I can put him in. Would anyone say amen? He can break into your life. He can come to you in the middle of the night. I'll always remember a lovely man called John who got saved a few years after me. And I knew him from Carrigaline. And he told me he was much older than I was. And he said... His wife died. His heart was broken. He would go to sleep every night crying. He was so alone. And then one night, in the darkness, in the middle of the night, about 4 a.m., he sensed something in the room. And he woke up and he sat up in the bed. He heard an audible voice saying, John, I love you. He knew the living God had come into his room that night. In the middle of his broken heart mourning period, Jesus reached out to him and he called on the Lord and he was saved. He was born again. He started following the Lord and it changed his life. But it began 
with the strangest of encounters in the middle of the night. So you and I cannot box God in that he always has to do it that way. Jesus went around the stirring of the water and he just with a word of life healed the man. And the man was healed. And the man got up and he walked. So he was healed. And the Lord is basically saying, take your eyes off your problem and keep your eyes on me. And here's the interesting thing. The man didn't know who Jesus was. A work of God started in his life. Because the Jewish leaders, who were really prickly, who were really getting jealous of this Jesus, and they were very suspicious, and their power base was going to be eroded by Jesus Christ. Because they come, it was the Sabbath, and the man was healed, and they had all their religious baggage and so on. Who healed you, they asked him. Look at his answer. I have no idea. Sometimes, when someone comes through the front door, they would say to me, this is when... The work of God started in my life. But that's never the way God works. Long before anyone comes through that front door, God is working in your life. I can remember my own story. I, I would have grown up as a, as a Catholic. As a child, I really took my, my Catholic faith very seriously. I can remember in Lent, when there was, you know, the 40 days of Lent, I remember deciding we all needed as a family, I decided, we all needed as a family, I was a kid, I was nine or eight, and I said, we need to go to Mass every morning for Lent. We'll get up at half past six, there's seven o'clock Mass in the locked church over there, and then we'll get back for breakfast and then we'll go to school. Now we'd walk. And I remember, I said it to my sister, I said, you need to come to Mass with me every morning for Lent. And she said, okay. And then I said it to my younger brother, you need to get out of the bed, and he loved the bed. You need to get out of the bed, and you need to come to Mass every morning. And I said it to the guys I was hanging around with, and so a whole troop of us would go to Mass every morning. Even the dog would come to Mass. He'd, he'd, he'd follow us. But I remember saying it to my mother and my father, and they went, no. No, we're too busy. And it, I was eight or nine. I said to my mum and dad, I'm very disappointed with the two of you. I <laughs> <laughs> So that, that's where I came from. So there was something going on. But then when I hit my teens, I became an atheist. There was questions I had that nobody answered. And I not only became an atheist, I became a, an obnoxious atheist. I was very uh, anti-God. And I spoke out against people who believed in God. And I was like that through my teenage years until a whole load of events happened where God humbled me. And one of them was my mother got a brain tumor. We thought she was going to die. And it just humbled me. And then I said, I think there must be a God there. And so I started calling out to the unknown God. And my mother recovered, hallelujah. And somebody gave me a gift of a New Testament. And I, I made a deal with God that I'd read this thing. I hadn't a clue what it was on about. It was in old English. And I, I was really struggling. But I tried Thing is, I know that ever before two guys, one of them is down there, Tony O'Connell, they called to my door, Easter 1980, to tell me the good news that Jesus, they were old friends of the family. They said, would you like to come to a meeting and meet with Jesus Christ? 
And I went to a meeting and I knew the Lord was there. And shortly after that, I asked the Lord into my life. But ever before I came to a meeting, I knew and I know that God was working in my life. And it's the same with this man. He didn't know it was Jesus who had healed him. So Jesus, the Lord, had been working on his life all along. He just didn't know it. If you've come in the door for the first time this morning, I promise you this. Long before you came through that door, the Lord has been working on your life. He's been working on your circumstances. He's been getting your attention. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Who healed you? I have no idea. I have no idea. When we come and we gather with other believers or when we come to a church or a meeting like this, that's when we see the bigger picture and it's vital. And anyone who tells you it's not vital is wrong. It is vital. But it shouldn't fool us into thinking that God can't work outside of here. There's a whole load of work. So there was a load of work going on in this man's life. He had no idea what was happening, but the healing had started. And then we read that Jesus came back a little later on and he told him, now you're well again. Don't return to a sinful life. Don't return to a sinning life. What's Jesus saying there? There's no going back. That's what he's saying. Yeah, there's a warning in there. But in essence, he's saying, you've turned a corner. Don't go back. When we saw those 25 people, as we cheered them last Sunday, we sang the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No, no turning back. And that's what he's saying to him. Don't go back to the old way of living. I don't know what his issue was. Was he up to something? I don't know. We don't need to know. We do need to know that Jesus offers a new day. He offers a future. Hallelujah. And he offers it to you and he offers it to me. Here's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to call up the worship team in just a moment. But before they come up, before they come up, this man had no one to help him with that issue. And my instinct is to say, let's pray that God will raise up a friend for you in that issue. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes you and I actually don't, and I'm all for friendship and I'm all for community, but sometimes we don't need someone to carry us the last few feet. Sometimes we just need Jesus. And we need Jesus to come into our circumstances. Yes, we need friends. Yes, we need community. Yes, it's good to have family. But sometimes only Jesus is the one to take us out of the situation. And I'm going to offer the opportunity this morning for those of us who can say that about ourselves. You know what? I've great friends here. I've great family there. God has blessed me there. But with this issue or with that unanswered prayer, do you know what, Lord? I just need you to come and invade that situation and deliver me from this and help me from this. And the other prayer I want to pray is what this man did, what we all do. All you can see is the problem. And Jesus wants to shatter the problem. It's like that big old chimney just behind us here that has stood there. And it's an ugly red brick thing with old smoke and stains. It would be lovely to see it demolished, in my opinion. You probably think I'm a Philistine. I'm unrepentant. Hallelujah. But the Bible tells us we've got arguments going on in our heads. 
and they're like strongholds. And the scripture says, capture the argument, demolish it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the problem in your life, it's like Jesus is saying, do you want to see that prayer answered? Do you want to see a healing? Do you want to see your family blessed in that area? Don't bring me the problem. See through the problem and see Jesus. All you're seeing is the stirring of the water. And Jesus is saying, I can go another way. I can go way beyond that. So let's come and bring our prayers before the Lord. Worship team, could you come up? We're going to sing that beautiful song, Great is Your Faithfulness. This man waited for 38 years and the Lord Jesus saw him. Far more faithful than any man or woman is the Lord. He's the faithful one. Could we stand? Let's throw up the words of great is your faithfulness. We're going to sing and then we're going to pray before we close. Thank you, Cafe Church. I hand over to the leaders now and let the guys minister and pray for you there. Whose microphone have I got? I, can I hang on to it? Great stuff. Okay. Let's sing the song and then we'll pray. Great your faithfulness I would be shocked if there wasn't a load of people like me who could say, I don't know, can anyone walk with me with that issue? Maybe they can't. Let's invite Jesus into that issue. Like that man experienced. So instead of praying for someone to carry him, pray for Jesus to come. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? You're asking Jesus himself to come into that situation. Hallelujah. Just keep your hands up. And then for those of us, and we're looking at our lives, or we're looking at our families or our loved ones, and it's like the circumstances are all powerful this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying He wants to demolish the circumstances in your life. And instead of you saying to Jesus, look at the problem, Jesus is saying, look at me. I'll deliver you from your problem but see beyond it. If you've got an issue and you want to bring it to the Lord, would you lift your hand? Lift it up. Don't be ashamed. Praise God. We're going to sing the song again. And I'm going to invite you to come and join me at the top. We're going to pray for a demolishing, for a breakthrough, and for a holy visitation of Jesus into your life. So we'll sing the song. Come and join us at the top. Great your kindness, God. shelter, my dwelling place, 
your presence like a fire. Hope for tomorrow, strength for today. When shadows fall, it never changes. From age to age, you never change. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness to the years you've always been there. Great is your love for us, your love. I'm just going to pray for these two situations collectively so whichever one you're praying for and maybe it's not even for you it might be for someone you love we need to see Jesus show up in that situation maybe you've been waiting and waiting for another person and no one has come perhaps that's the Lord saying you just need Jesus here you don't need a man or a woman so if that's your prayer, lift your hands up and we ask you, Lord, we invite you, Lord. We say, Lord, we've been waiting for another man or another woman to help us go the last bit of this journey, but they just haven't delivered. And maybe that's because we need you to deliver. So Jesus, we invite you in to our circumstances and we pray like you did for this man, you would move outside the box and you would move in a new way and you would bring healing you would bring deliverance you would bring a new day into our lives and into the lives of the people we love in Jesus name and all who prayed the prayer said I feel quite stirred that there's a big ugly old industrial chimney as it were in some people's lives here it's a big argument in your head it's a big emotion in your soul and i believe the lord is saying he wants to demolish it in his name this morning and we need to demolish it just like that man kept saying the problem and jesus said stop being problem centered become christ-centered so if you want to see something demolished in your mind or in your heart, would you lift your right hand up to heaven? Your, your right hand is a symbol of strength. And when we lift up our right hand, it's like we're saying, this isn't my strength, this is your strength I need, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we give you that problem. We give you that issue. We can't see a way out of it. We can't see how this can be resolved, but we ask you, Jesus, that you would demolish the argument in our heads, that you would deliver us from the emotions that are leading us down a cul-de-sac. I pray in Jesus' name, a deliverance for my brothers and sisters. May they see Jesus and not see the problem. Spirit of God, we invite you to move. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Stacy, this is what the Holy Spirit would say to you. Behold my daughter, I have seen the ancient wound in your life. I have seen it being sown and I have seen it 
um, fester and I've seen it being sown again and it has gone on and on and on and in your heart you have wondered where is there going to be a breakthrough and the living God would say to you even this morning his word is breaking through every argument that is set up against you the word of your savior is demolishing all of the strongholds around the situation and the hand the nail pierced hand of jesus christ is going upon that wound and your savior is allowing power from heaven to come into that situation so receive what the Lord is doing he will bring healing he will bring a new day and he will show you the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living the Lord would say to you the lines are falling for you in pleasant places though weeping has endured for the night joy will come in the morning thus says the Lord your God Amen Hallelujah I sense as well that there is someone here and you're desperately disappointed by someone else they have really let you down and you sense that they have done you wrong and by any judgment you have been wronged by someone else and I believe the Lord is saying you can hold on to that sense of very understandable hurt or you can hand it over to the Lord and move on with the rest of your life if you hand it over the Lord will deliver you the Lord will give you a new day if you hang on to it it will only become worse so I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes on stage and off stage. Let's just give people a bit of courtesy and privacy. I don't want to be praying into the air. So if someone here knows that they've been wronged and they've got to let it go, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and then take it down again. Okay, 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 okay. You can take your hands down. Let's keep our eyes closed and we'll pray. May the Spirit of God break out into your soul. May the list of genuine grievances and sin that has come against you, I pray now that Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit would give you the ability to burn that list right now. I pray you would offer it up to the Lord. And I pray that Jesus would set you free from the pain and the wound and the shadow that that person has done over you. May the living God set you free. And I pray that you would start walking into your future, into your destiny, into the new day that the Lord has for you. In Jesus' name. If anyone who put up their hand is comfortable with it, I'm going to ask you to come forward. You may not be. I just want to lay hands on some people before we close. Um, if you want to come forward, would you lift up your hand about that issue? Okay. Could the others go back to their seats and could you move forward? The guys are going to sing us out. Michael is going to close in just a moment. 
I just want to lay hands just for a second or two on each of you and pray God would heal your hearts and that you'd have courage to face the new day. Amen. Great your kindness. we go today that we will go with the wind of the spirit at our back in every circumstance is that okay to pray that we pray that let's lift our hands to heaven as we close this morning father in heaven whatever it is that we go to face today lord and some of it will be fantastic and it will be overjoying lord and it will be a great time but for some lord we face a wind of circumstances and challenges and sometimes difficulties this week lord i pray that wherever we face a headwind, we would know the wind of your spirit at our backs, giving us strength to press through whatever it is we face in Jesus' name. Be the wind in our sails this week, we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Praise God. 
We're done, brothers and sisters. God bless and keep you. Tea and coffee is being served upstairs. Remember, we're here again on Tuesday night. Tom will be speaking on waiting and blessing. God go with you. If you're a visitor, please make sure you get to say hi to us before you depart. God bless and keep you. Bye-bye.